Next on Making Sense of the Madness, SBF was arrested. A New Zealand baby was kidnapped by the state. James Raguski reports on that. And Chris Paul will help us make sense of today's breaking headlines. We're going to question the mainstream narrative and expose media propaganda right now. Well, Dr. Kirk Elliott is a PhD economist and founder of Dr. Kirk Elliott, PhD.com, private advisors. I think I messed that up, Kirk. Sorry about that. But uh, you're going to give us a much needed economic update. Were you surprised to hear that SBF was arrested by Bahamian authorities? And what do you think is going to be the result now that he was supposed to testify? I guess that's not possible now. Well, it's not possible. And, and no, it doesn't surprise me. Um, especially when you start to see some of the reports of the of the tentacles coming out from him, who he was funding, both the GOP, you know, second largest donor to the Democrat Party, all this is donations from what appears to be a Ponzi scheme. I mean, not good, right? So it's no wonder they had to like keep him quiet, um, put a, basically a gag order by arresting him, so he couldn't. He couldn't talk to Maxine Waters and everybody else and, and tell the story because nobody wants that story in Washington to be told. Right. But uh, I believe the CEO that was appointed by the bankruptcy proceedings has been testifying and throwing him under the bus, of course, uh, because he is ultimately to blame. He is supposed to be the one in charge of the whole thing. Uh, but it was very odd how the media has given him puff pieces and been so light on him, even interviewed him for the New York Times event. That was bizarre when, you know, if it was Bernie Madoff, you know, people would be uh, asking for him to be behind bars immediately. And yet we're in a different era now with the media is more tightly controlled now by, I guess, people who are probably part of the same crime. Uh, any other comments about crypto, about the contagion, about anything else related to this? Well, yeah, I think the crypto contagion is going to be pretty steep and pretty severe. Uh, when you've got exchanges, when you've got BlockFi, when you've got FTX that, that basically go under, people start to get scared, Sean. They start to get scared that, oh, my word, my cryptocurrency, my tokens that I have, I'm not going to be able to get them out, right? And so, so there's going to be a mass exodus. I mean, we have to remember, this is how this all started, Um because Binance, you know, CZ at, at Binance wanted to actually take some of his tokens out and realize there's no liquidity there. Well, that caused a basically the equivalent of a run on the bank, right? And so people wanted to start getting other stuff out because he leaked that news. So, so now imagine other people that have tokens, whether it's Ethereum or Bitcoin or whatever, right? And so they're now don't trust the system anymore. So they're going to want to get out. Well, I think that there is, uh, you know, the the propensity for a, a mass exodus and, and a crypto dark winter coming from this because it's not like these are small potatoes. These are big, big companies that went under in like 72 hours. Right. And so so I think there is going to be a mass exodus out of crypto and prices are going to continue to come um, free falling down. Right. I mean, so many millions of people put trust in that system. They've lost that trust. And it's going to take maybe years to get the trust back into the alternative financial uh, decentralized finance. It was like an alternative parallel financial system that was growing there. 
Uh, but now there's right. no trust and trust is what holds it all together. Uh, I wanted to get your input on the inflation stats that came in. Do you think we still have an inflation problem? Is this just a temporary mirage? Uh, what's your take on inflation? No, it's, it's, it's not a temporary mirage. I mean, you look at the wholesale prices, they were greater than expected, up half a percent over the last 30 days, right? So the wholesale prices, you know, the producer prices are basically the, the precursor of, of the retail prices, and, and they are going up, and they're going up dramatically. And so, so here's the problem. The Fed is trying to fight inflation, which isn't slowing down, not when, not when producer wholesale prices are continuing to go up. That's ultimately going to be manifest itself in retail prices, right? So, so here's here's the problem. The Fed is fighting things on the demand side of the equation, and in in economics, you have supply and demand, right? So, so what is the demand? The the basically flow of currency, the amount of currency in circulation. They can either increase it or decrease it. That's on the demand side. Lowering or raising interest rates that affects currency. That's on the demand side. But inflation, Sean. Here's the problem. Inflation is a supply side issue because most inflation is energy or food prices. That's supply chain disruptions that are by and large part causing those prices to go up. That's something that the Fed can't fight is supply chain disruptions. That came from two years of COVID and everybody not working and stupid political processes. So here they're fighting it with the wrong tools. And therefore, I don't think inflation is going to end anytime soon. And when you raise rates, you're actually not fighting inflation because they're fighting the wrong thing. They're just going to slow down the economy. So how I see this playing out is stagflation on steroids, like we yeah. saw in the late 70s, early 80s, slowing down the economy because of their policies and inflation persisting because they're not using the right tools to fight it. That, that makes sense to me, and it's scary that we might repeat that. That was a dark time economically in the United States, a lot of unemployment, people waiting in the gas lines. Uh, and now we've got this oil war going on with Russia trying to get them to cap their prices, and they're saying, no, not only are we not going to cap our prices, we're not even going to sell oil to you if you dare to you know, challenge us. And then you got Saudi Arabia making deals with China. Any comment on this winter, energy prices, where are they going? Well, when when the the big, you know, the G7 basically said, hey, Russia, we're capping your oil at $60 a barrel. What did they just do? They just basically gave a subsidy to China. So we're helping China by doing that because now Russia is going to say, well, 60 bucks, we're I'm just not going to we're just not going to produce for you anymore because we don't need to because we've got China, the largest purchaser of oil on the planet that we're now basically in cahoots with them because we're part of the BRICS nations together, right? So so really all that they're going to do when 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 Biden says and the G7 says, hey, we're going to cap Russian oil at $60 a barrel, they're going to say, so what? And what that's going to do is reduce supply and it's going to cause prices to soar because they're, they're just not going to produce for us at, at that amount when they don't need to because they've got all the growing company countries in the BRICS nations that are going to buy it. So again, colossal public policy blunder, um, miscalculation that's going to cause oil to go through the roof because of less supply, same demand. And then China and the BRICS nations won again because of bad policy coming out of D.C. 
Once again, it seems like the people who have all the cards are people who have all the oil and all the gold and all the stuff. Well, thank you, Kirk, yeah. for enlightening us. It makes us realize how we need to invest in real stuff as well. People can contact Kirk in the link in the description below to learn more about that. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to James Raguski about baby Will in New Zealand, kidnapped by the state. He's been following this story closely. We're going to find out when we get back. Government-induced inflation, taxes, rising interest rates, political instability. All of these can have a crushing effect on our investments, often causing the stock market to go down. But they can also cause gold and silver to go up. Hi, this is Dr. Kirk Elliott. Buy gold, buy silver, buy now, but buyer beware. Precious metals companies are not created equal. As a PhD economist, I have been in the financial, economic, and precious metals business for three decades. The philosophy of my firm is people over profit. I encourage you to read my bio to learn more about me at kirkelliotphd.com. Now is the time to own physical metals in an IRA, 401k, and outside of a retirement plan. Don't let the government destroy your hard-earned assets any longer. Call 720-605-3900 or visit KirkElliottPhD.com. The judge has ruled for guardianship of this four-month-old baby to be placed into the court so that its heart surgery can proceed as soon as possible. Four-month-old Will has a rare heart disease. His parents, Samantha and Cole, lost custody of him because they were not willing to accept blood from vaccinated donors with the spike protein. They found their own donors, which is allowed, but they were denied. And they provided evidence that the experimental spike protein stays in the blood of the vaccinated for at least 14 days. An experimental spike protein which is killing people and causing heart problems primarily with young males, just like Will. But it was ignored. The New Zealand government locked the three of them under police guard in a hospital room. They're coming against God and God's will, and, and they're coming against Will. You know, that's our baby's name. Our baby's name's Will, and, and he he's really important. It's not over. You know, everyone needs to continue to stand and stand with us and fight, because uh, this is just the beginning. Um, it's not over. And at around 11 p.m. last night, masked police came into the room and took Will away. The New Zealand government has now kidnapped this young child and plan to immediately operate on him, specifically using the tainted blood of the vaccinated. Blood that we know will most likely have the spike protein that has been killing people. People much older and healthier than four-month-old Will, who needs our help. You guys are criminals. Please! You've got to realize I need that you to are be now with him. in a criminal Did you not see his eyes? Did you not see his eyes? Oh, Did you not see No, you do not need to do the operation. No, you do not. Jude, please, can I just go down with him? Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. We are here with James Raguski, who's been following this story. James, uh, you had a Substack article about saving baby Will. Can you give us an update? 
The update is that, as far as I know, the, the most recent information that I have is that the surgery did happen. Baby Will um, appears to be doing fine. Um, we're obviously hoping and, and praying that that is the case. Um, immediately, well, not immediately, but that day after uh, the surgery happened, the uh, parents gave a, a brief, uh, not really a news conference, but they spoke to people outside the hospital. And they alluded to the fact that it's possible that the hospital and the blood New Zealand Blood Services um, had recently taken um, blood from donors that were of the same blood type as Will, who were not jabbed. So it, at, it, at the moment, it is really unknown. Um, the blood that may have been used in the surgery, uh, you know, who it came from and, and whether or not they were jabbed. What, what this has successfully done, in my opinion, though, is it has brought to light an issue that they really wanted to keep hidden. Uh, here in the United States, the Red Cross accepts blood from anyone, regardless of their jabbed status. They simply ask which company, uh, if someone had been jabbed from, whether it was Pfizer, Moderna, or, or other. Uh, Within you know 24 hours after getting a jab, someone could donate blood. So the bigger question is, do we have uh, safety checks on the blood supply, and are people um, going to be permitted to find donors? And it's called directed donation, where uh, you know a family member, a friend. Uh, you, you get to choose uh, who it is that donates blood for you. Uh, the article is very interesting because I was actually just about to publish an article. The name of that is Tainted Blood. The article on Tainted Blood was uh, in, in the works, and all of a sudden, you know, this story with Baby Will um, uh, popped up. And, and so I did my best to spread the word because, you know, we're praying for Baby Will to be well. But it's an issue that they just want to sh hide under the rug. They just don't want to talk about the safety of the blood right. supply. And, and that's kind of opaque nature of not knowing whether the blood is vaccinated or not, I think is what they want. They, they don't want any transparency. They don't want it to be an issue that we talk about and figure out and, and make demands because they have universal health care in their New Zealand and the state is a big part of it. And that's why they thought they had the right to direct everything medical related to people. And I think that's another issue that's coming to the fore here uh, is our right to medical autonomy. Um, so, you know, this is gonna play out. It looks like those parents have some strong principles and they're gonna be sharing uh, their story step-by-step uh, step along the way. Now, did your article go into any of the medical specifics of tainted blood and uh, any research related to that? Um, there is information about that. Uh, See, the issue here, though, is there is a very simple solution, okay? Um, I, I, I would admit, you know, that testing blood to um, clear, you know, any kind of toxins and all that sort of stuff is, is nearly impossible. Um, you know, just imagine, if you will, you know, the people who donate blood. 70% of Americans are on pharmaceutical medications. Now, it's going to be very small amounts of medications that are, you know, in their blood when it's donated. There's probably, you know, to my knowledge, no way of, of extracting all of the things that might be in there. The core question is that it's hidden. This information, you know, is verboten. You cannot discuss it. Now, the parents 
did all of the work along with their neighbor who helped to find donors who they felt were acceptable to them for the health of baby Will. They were trying to take precautions because there have been other children, baby Alex in Montana. It's a horrible story that happened back, I think, you know, earlier in the year, I think it was March, um, who, who died from, they believe, blood that um, caused problems. And so the parents had done all of the work. They had lined up uh, dedicated donors um, to donate blood. And, and the authoritarian nature of the people in charge was just such that no, we're not. We're not going to do it because we don't want to. And uh, right, they don't want to acknowledge that, the risk factor of the the jab on the blood in general. Uh, even though you know, if you're a homosexual, you have you may not be able to donate blood because of risk of STDs. If you're an active drug user, you can't donate blood. They already have you know different risk factors that they acknowledge for blood. So why not acknowledge the risk factor for the jab? Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about this new pandemic simulation and uh, so many more topics with James Raguski as soon as we get back. Inflation is out of control. The price of gasoline has doubled in a very short time and interest rates are set to rise. How do you protect and grow your portfolio to make sure that you do not outlive your assets? Invest in annuities that have rate lock. Rate lock is an innovative new feature that allows you to lock in your rate of return at any time during the year to lock in these volatile upswings of the market. And unlike CDs and money market accounts, they accumulate tax deferred and can participate in the upside of market indexes. And they're probate free and they can provide income that you can't outlive. With all the different companies, features, indexes, and benefits which annuities offer, it can be confusing to choose which annuity is best for your unique situation. Let a company you can trust help you select a rate lock annuity that's right for you. Add an annuity to your retirement portfolio and start enjoying the many benefits that smart investors love. Call the Cleveland Insurance Group at 844-USA-2024. That's the Cleveland Insurance Group at 844-USA-2024. The Cleveland Insurance Group, 844-USA-2024. Officials in two Latin American countries alerted the WHO of several outbreaks of a new infectious disease that's mysteriously appearing across the region. Severe Epidemic Enterovirus Respiratory Syndrome 2025. Over the past six weeks alone, there have been 500 confirmed or suspected cases reported. The virus could cause a severe pandemic if early containment and mitigation efforts are not successful. The pandemic in this type of situation and trend would be a risk for the global health security. Pandemics are inherently political, financial, and so much broader. We have not spoken on the leadership in country. And I think that we need to be also very careful. We cannot decide a lot of things without the leaders be involved and agree on that. There is no substitute for national leadership. It's important to support the local response or the national response. Training those that are in these areas first, enabling them with the tools, protecting them, and if needs, the regional solidarity first. At this stage, communication is key, and communication should include not just scientists with data, 
but also social, religious, and political leaders. Trust. This is an essential issue. And trust was broken among countries, between populations and healthcare systems, between healthcare systems and governments. I'm very sorry to say that in uh, 2025, we need to strengthen the health system. WHO needs to be a voice for the voiceless. No one is safe until all of us are safe. As of today, there have been an estimated 1 billion cases worldwide, with more than 20 million deaths, including nearly 15 million children. Countless millions are alive, but left with paralysis or brain damage. The most successful countries are those which invested in preparedness and trained for this moment years in advance. This included having full-time pandemic preparedness and response teams, which conducted detailed operational planning and routinely tested those plans through exercises and drills. If more countries had participated and heeded the guidance, the toll might have been much less. It's almost like a veiled threat for 20 million impending deaths. James, what are your thoughts about this simulation? Um, well, you know, catastrophiccontagion.com has all the information. Um, this, in my opinion, is just marketing and propaganda to sell the proposed pandemic treaty. The proposed pandemic treaty talks a lot about equity. Now, your financial um, uh, expert who was just on um, earlier um, understands what the word equity means. Okay, equity means value. It means, you know, you, you buy a home, you pay off some of the mortgage, and, and you have an equity stake in that um, that home. People hear the word equity and it gets tied to race or gender or, you know, uh, wealth and nation status or whatever. What is really going on with the pandemic treaty is in Article 19 of their, propo uh, their proposal, which is called a, a conceptual zero draft, which they just had meetings um, December 5, 6, and 7 uh, about this, it would set up an entirely new global health architecture, okay? Just a, another bureaucracy. They've set up a pandemic fund, which they um, claim to have a goal of $10 billion per year. The Indonesian health minister at the G20 literally said, this is a great business opportunity Everyone should start investing in companies that make preparedness and response products. You know, think drugs and, you know, swabs and PCR tests and, you know, laboratories and genetic sequencing and all that. This is a money grab. This is all about the pharmaceutical hospital emergency industrial complex funneling money into their coffers, um, having really nothing to do about health at all. So when they do these pandemic treaties and amendments and different proposals, it's not just in a closed door meeting and they just try to get it done. They try to get buy-in and this is part of their marketing efforts. Can you show us uh, on screen, the producer will show the article number three uh, and you can walk us through that. Okay, now this is actually on a different track. This is brand new information. Um, literally, we're breaking this news on your broadcast right now. Um, this is actually from 
the proposed amendments to the international health regulations. I call them the international surveillance um, regulations. And they want to, um, they have proposed to change Article 3. And you can see very clearly that there are uh, a number of words that are crossed out, they're struck through with full respect for the dignity, human rights, and the way the screen is set up, Sean, if you could read the remainder of it, my image is, is hiding it. This is what they are removing. They're taking away- They're removing the our, words with full respect for dignity, human rights, and fundamental freedoms of persons. So that would strike me as the most important words in this <laughs> Article 3, but they, they want to get rid of those human rights. Okay. And then they and, kept and on so, uh, writing, based on the principles of equity, inclusivity, coherence, in accordance with their common but different differentiated responsibilities of state parties taking into consideration their societal and economic development. So um, this one line literally made my jaw drop this morning. I, I, I just received this document this morning. Um, I'll have an article up on my Substack as soon as possible. There, you know, there's 46 pages of really dense, you know, legalese language, but all you need to see is what you just showed. They're literally crossing out our rights and our freedoms. And so I, you know, I'm actually um, motivated by this because I think they have just clearly overstepped the line that anyone who looks at this is going to say, you have to be kidding me no way in the world are we going to accept this. And so, um, you know, what I've been doing for the last many months is just bringing to light their documents, shining some light on them. Thank you so very much, you know, for, for the platform to be able to do that. When people get to see what they are proposing, it will be brutally obvious that it's got nothing to do with health. It has everything to do with control, surveillance, and money. Right. And it, we're so grateful to you and your research. And when you first started out uh, a few months back uh, talking about this topic, you didn't have an existing audience uh, with this. But then sure enough, the quality of your research and the fact you keep on working so hard at it and keeping people updated, a lot of people have come to rely on you, especially regarding this pandemic treaty topic. What are some of the different platforms or people who you've noticed are using your research and your Substack, uh, and the words really getting out there now. Well, you know, I have connected with a, a multitude of groups, but you know, I, I'm going to I'm going to thank you and your platform because you were one of the very first to uh, um, raise this issue, and you know, I, I would put a shout out to every member of the alternative media because I don't you know expect that the mainstream media is going to. Uh, cover this at all. And if they do, they'll most likely misrepresent it. Um, you know, my phone number is 310-619-3055. And I'm sure that's how we got together. Uh, you know, your producers called me because I put my number out there. And, you know, I invite everyone in the world to give me a call so that we can spread this world. We have to count on alternative media platforms like, like yours and, you know, just people to people literally being the media and so step number one is to you know share this video as soon as it's uh, available and alert everyone on the planet that these documents which have been secret since september 30th i i just got um, a letter or an email yesterday from both the state department of the united states and the uh health and human services department 
giving me yet another extension on delaying the FOIA request that um, I, I had put in. You know, they just won't get it um, or, or, or share it with the world. Two people in the United Kingdom also did freedom of information requests, and their government said, well, yes, we have the documents, but we're not going to give them to you. And so thank you so much for the opportunity to share it with your audience. Um, you people watching this, this is the first this has been talked about, you know, in the world. And um, give me a call if you want to pursue, you know, spreading the word and raising awareness, because we cannot let this happen. Uh, this is headed towards the digital ID, the global health certificate, the, you know, by whatever name they want to call it, a vaccine passport. Um, this is the thing that they are relying on. The pandemic treaty, in my opinion, for the most part, is a decoy. Uh, once you read what they are doing um, in these proposed amendments to the international health regulations, um, you know, you're going to be pulling out your hair and screaming and yelling very, very quickly. It'll all be up as soon as I can get it onto jamesruguski.substack.com. Well, they are getting more brazen, crossing out our human rights and stealing babies and trying to inject tainted blood into them. And, and that's when we share that information that really wakes people up and it has a real impact. So thank you for your full-time activism. We really appreciate what you do. And we're going to talk to Chris Paul in the next segment about a lot of breaking news items, talk about SPF's, SBF's arrest and many more as soon as we get back. Hydrogen is used by health professionals as a powerful antioxidant and the number one tool to fight inflammation. Studies show therapeutic potential in cancer, diabetes, digestive and heart issues, and essentially every organ and system in the body. This is not medical advice because I'm not your doctor, but if you have any health concerns, I strongly recommend that you learn more about hydrogen. Get educated at holyhydrogen.com and order the best hydrogen generator known to man. Because hydrogen is the smallest molecule in existence, it can pass through the cell membrane and even the blood-brain barrier to clear out inflammation and free radical damage where other antioxidants just can't get to. Visit holyhydrogen.com to see the latest technology that elevates your immune system and fights inflammation. Search their research library to see if hydrogen has a track record for helping a health concern you're dealing with. Make sure to use your special American Media Periscope code AMP for $100 off your order. Holyhydrogen.com. Thanks, Jen. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about this uh, request for tech companies to be more aggressive in policing misinformation? Has the administration been in touch with any of these companies? And are there any actions that the federal government can take to ensure their cooperation? Because we've seen from the start there's not a lot of action on some of these platforms. Sure. Uh, well, first, we are in regular touch uh, with these social media platforms. Uh, and those uh, engagements typically happen through members of our senior staff, but also members of our COVID-19 team. Uh, given, as Dr. Murthy, Murthy uh, conveyed, uh, this is a big issue of misinformation, specifically on the pandemic. In terms of actions, Alex, that uh, we have taken, or we're working to take, I should say, from the federal government, uh, we've increased uh, disinformation research and tracking uh, within the Surgeon General's office. We're flagging problematic posts for Facebook uh, that spread disinformation. Well, that was a little throwback. We're here with Chris Paul of the Be Reasonable podcast. And now, you know, they're, they're trying to backtrack and, and say that they didn't do this, but they were already public and admitted it. So it's all coming out with the Twitter files. Anything that you want to comment on, Chris, as you've been watching each installment of the Twitter files come out? 
Well, yeah, I mean, I think that it's, I, I think it's really great what's happening, right? And I know that a lot of people kind of on our side of the fence are a little disappointed in what we've seen so far. You know, Elon could have simply just released all the documents in a weekly, a, wow, I can't say that, a WikiLeaks type of way where he just dumps everything on us and independent journalists can go through it and figure out exactly what's there. That's not happening. This seems to be highly coordinated uh, to my eye. Uh, the stories that have come out so far in each one of the drops are things that we generally knew quite a bit about. Uh, we did, at least, right? People who follow the mainstream narrative, the central narrative, they don't know these things. And so for them, a lot of this information is new and it is evidence of things that they were told not to believe. So I think that the impact on them is substantial from the way this is being handled. Uh you know, you can quibble over the journalists that Elon Musk has chosen to use in this project. And I certainly would agree with those complaints as well. Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss and Barry Weiss's team are just pretty diehard leftists and always have been. You know, none of them are Trump fans in any way. They have all written uh, terrible things about Donald Trump and terribly inaccurate things about Donald Trump. I respect Matt Taibbi as a journalist, but you know, at some point it actually should matter whether or not you were just totally wrong about some of the most critical issues of this era. You know, these people are going to be, um, really elevated as journalists from their participation in this project. And I worry about what that might mean for the future of journalism. I don't think that these are even remotely the most trustworthy people to be handling this information. But again, it does seem like a uh, coordinated effort to convince a certain portion of the population that something very wrong actually did happen and that accountability must be sought after by the public at large. So I'm remaining very positive about the whole project. I'm patient in terms of the timeline, but eventually we're going to have to see all of it. And uh, eventually we're going to have to be able to go over that stuff ourselves and find out what's really there because it feels right now like a lot of it's being held back. You know, when we get to the COVID and Fauci censorship stuff, none of that's going to be new information. We have it in his own emails. We know it there from Saki. We have that information. But the public disclosure of that information to the mainstream, to the people who have been asleep, I hope has a has a major impact. I think it will, because now they're finally primed to not believe Fauci, whereas before he was put there as a figurehead, uh, a kind of savior figure for everyone to believe in. And that's that phase is past. Uh, we're, mm -hmm. we're in an awakening phase now. And I think that people like Elon Musk and Joe Rogan, the role that they play are the former darlings of leftists. And so it, it's, mm -hmm. it's good for them to play that role down the center uh, and both of them came out to support Republicans for the recent midterm. So that's a big surprise, trying to grab those people from the left and the center and bring them on over to the right. That's that's why he chose uh, leftist journalists, I think. Uh, but I think it's genius to, to bring it out in installments, because what I've seen so far are uh, just little release 
of one installment and then all of a sudden it just fills the mainstream news cycle for a couple yeah. of days and then the next installment and he just is basically a drip drop process for the normies because what are they going to do with the massive WikiLeaks dump? How can that affect them in, in the news cycle, right? It's not going to. Although I certainly hope that happens eventually because we want to get our uh, our fingers on the details and find more of these pizza-related emails from, from uh, Jack Dorsey. <laughs> well, moving on to the next topic, Chris, McCarthy promises to subpoena 51 Intel agents so it looks like McCarthy is trying to, you know, <laughs> he was playing center before when Trump was in trouble, but now he's kind of playing right now that uh, the political tides have changed. But this is exactly what needs to happen. Uh, subpoena all of those people who are wrong on all those issues, make them explain themselves, make them go on the record and make them perjure themselves. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I hope that he follows through. I mean, I guess we're still in the period where we don't know if Kevin McCarthy will actually be the uh, Speaker of the House. Um, there are some powerful voices on both sides of that debate, uh, and we'll see how that shakes out. But these 51 former Intel officials definitely need to be held accountable for what they've done. You know, they participated in a disinformation operation specifically designed to take the sitting duly elected president out of office. That's what this was for. They were interfering in the election by spreading disinformation. These people, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, we can get down to the legal definition of at, at some point, but this seems like treason to me. And the crazy thing is that if you read their letter, um, which I have many times on the show, it, it really is worth the read because they are very careful to say that they have no evidence at all to support <laughs> right. their claims that this is Russian disinformation. They're just saying that yeah. the operation has the so whole had that plausible up. deniability the whole time. They, the, the, everyone used it, all the big tech people used it, all the people in government used it as the excuse of, see, well, all the 51 intelligence experts say this, it must be true. And yet the 51 intelligence experts all said they had no evidence. Uh, so, but, Wonder what other communication they might have had between with each other behind closed doors, behind the scenes, and, and if they were being surveilled. Uh, you know, if, if FISA works both ways. When you have mm -hmm. uh, certain people who are under surveillance and they're within one or two uh, hops or degrees of separation, you can surveil them too. And so, all of these fifty-one people, they were probably coordinating. And uh, it'd be interesting to find out if that comes to light. Well, I want to switch gears here again and talk about the uh, trans, former trans person who's detransitioning just came out on Fox and explained that they thought that it was ridiculous that within one day they were able to, to transition all because of their traumas and the psychological issues. Uh, and a Navy SEAL veteran to boot. Let's take a look at that clip. Transsexual turnaround. The former Navy SEAL who lived as a transsexual for the last 10 years says he's no longer trans. Appearing on the Robbie Starbucks show, Chris Beck, formerly known as Kristen Beck, suggests he became transsexual in 2012 because he suffered from adjustment disorder and wanted to get rid of the caveman he had become. I had some trauma, you know, and now I'm walking into our psychologist's office and one day, one day I had a letter in my hand saying I was transgender. I was authorized hormones. I was authorized all this other stuff. 
Just one hour with a VA psychiatrist and Beck began the transgender transition. Beck is a highly decorated Navy SEAL who served in the military for 20 years. He told Starbuck that he parroted the words that he was told by psychologists and liberals who profited from his gender dis- Well, Chris, I know you have a lot to say about this. It's especially disturbing when uh, children who have mental issues go to a psychologist and those psychologists kind of groom them into transitioning. And all this is done behind the backs of their parents. Any comments on coming this coming to light, this whole trans agenda? Uh, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right in what you said about the treatment of children and that process. But what really uh, caught my attention in the video is that it's the VA that did this. Why is the VA convincing our uh, veterans that they might be trans? And why is American taxpayer money being used to support gender transitions? Why aren't they focused on helping him deal with his gender dysphoria and his uh, adjustment issues? Those seem like genuine mental health problems that potentially could be helped by talk therapy or any you know, other applicable therapies. Why is it the first move to convince a veteran that he's actually a woman? The, the whole thing is, is so crazy to me. And it's much crazier that it's the government and, you know, the military doing this with taxpayer dollars, especially knowing how profitable the uh, trans agenda is for pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, it reminds me of the Canadian government offering people to kill themselves under the taxpayer dime. Uh, it's like uh, if we don't offer these types of interventions, people won't avail themselves of it. So uh, that would be a way to save everyone a lot of uh, grief and money. I mean, in, in the case of, you know, genital mutilation, that's irreversible. So, you know, this is a, <laughs> something that's not easy to reverse. I mean, uh, certainly this guy's trying his best to detransition, but sometimes depending on what steps you take, it's not easy. So um, right. I want to go to the next topic here of central bank cryptocurrencies. Take a look at what the prime minister of uh, the UK had to say. Today, I'm proud to say that under the UK's presidency, the group of the world's seven most advanced economies, the G7, is launching a set of public policy principles for retail central bank digital currencies, CBDCs. Central bank digital currencies could be a digital version of money, a bit like a digital banknote that could be used alongside physical notes and coins. Unlike most of the digital money people use daily today, it would be issued directly by a central bank, like the Bank of England in the UK. And governments and central banks across the world are working together, looking into what having a digital currency might Wow, he seems like one of those people on an infomercial who's just getting their excitement real high to try to sell something to the public here. What are your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, he's making it sound cute, like CBDCs. Uh, okay, that is a terrible idea. And it is one of the most dangerous ideas I can possibly imagine. I hope this stuff is never adopted. I mean, it's pretty obvious. You know, I'm sure that we've talked about it before, Sean, but the, the plan is to uh, have the central bank digital currency that they can turn on or off at any time they like. Uh, and to combine that with things like a vaccination ID, 
right? That'll make sure that everyone is up to date on their vaccination subscriptions. It'll have all their medical records in there. It's on the same device that tracks where you are, what you say and to whom. And we know that the social media companies and uh, whoever's monitoring that data, they have all the necessary data about you. They know everything, where you grew up, where you went to elementary school and high school, where you went to college and graduate school, your first job, your second job, your third job. They know your religion. They know what people you've dated. They know who your friends are. They know your political persuasion and your religion. They know what you say about everything. They have it all recorded because we're saying it online and through these systems. So the ultimate dystopia is having this level of uh, tracking and surveillance and then that level of control over everything you do. They can control whether or not you shop at certain stores. They can shut your money off. They're going to track what it is you buy and give you an environmental score based on the carbon impact of the foods you choose to eat. This is all part of the same thing and every bit of it must be rejected. You know, this is a lot like what we saw with COVID. If you go along with one part of the COVID uh, agenda, you are basically setting yourself up to go along with all of it. You don't put on the mask because the mask leads to other things, right? Once they have you under control, once they have you playing along, what they're able to do and how they're able to scale up once you have accepted in principle that they can tell you what to do and that you must participate in their system, the battle for them is already won. And so that's why it's so important to, you know, let people know exactly what this is before it happens so that people can reject it immediately. And they must reject it immediately. This is full control. You are a slave to them at that point. They can control what you do. And then you add in electric cars that they can just shut off when they want. What part of your life can't they control once they can track everything and control your money? And those 87,000 IRS agents who are armed to the teeth will possibly be knocking at your door if they don't agree with the way you spent your money and maybe you use too much carbon uh, when you spent that money. So, you know, it's bad enough that we've got these money printers to infinity and that uh, this money that we have is, is funny money that's backed by nothing. Uh, but at least we have cash. We've got the paper and, and the coins that they can't surveil. Uh, and they want to do away with that all together. And so you're right about the slippery slope. Once we give them the keys to that kingdom, everything is theirs. And so that's, this is an example of the deep state on offense. They're, they're trying to take more ground here. And we need to not only not allow them to take more ground, we need to push back on even the idea of central bank uh, having any control over a nation's currency at all. Uh, so, you know, going back to the way we had it before we had central banks, so where we issued our own money uh, interest-free to ourselves. And there's a big Destroy the Fed movement, and there has been for a while with Ron Paul. And I believe that, uh, you know, MAGA needs to get on board with that and pressure uh, Trump and others to start taking that, that issue back on. Well, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Elon Musk going full anon on Twitter as soon as we get back. The iSat Phone 2 is the latest generation satellite phone designed for the most reliable commercial satellite communications network in the world. The iSat Phone 2 from Inmarsat is ready, reliable, and robust. 
iSat Phone 2 has fast network registration and unrivaled battery life with up to 160 hours of standby time. iSat Phone 2 operates over global geostationary satellites with 99% network availability and reliable call stability and network connection. Engineered to withstand the most extreme conditions, the iSat Phone 2 is dust, splash, and shock resistant. The iSat Phone 2 has built-in tracking and assistance buttons and gives notifications even when the antenna is stowed. And with the easy-to-use interface and high-visibility display, the iSat Phone 2 is ready to go. Find out more at InMarsat.com. Who do you trust? And should you? The small, untrustworthy group of people who own and control almost every industry hope you will not even entertain the questions, let alone put in the time to explore the answers. These two volumes of The World Awakens are an encyclopedia of trusted sources who give their honest overview of our real history, the world today, and what lies ahead. Get The World Awakens, Volume 1 and 2, signed by author John Michael Chambers for only $50 each. Or bundle the two and add Genocide Jab, all three signed hardbacks for $120. Order today at ampnews.us. For unsigned and all other formats, visit Amazon or Barnes & Noble. We were talking to Chris Paul, the Be Reasonable podcast, about Elon Musk turning into a non-Musk. He's really just becoming much more vocal against uh, medical tyranny and what we've gone through, saying that he thinks that, <laughs> well, he said his pronouns are prosecute uh, Fauci. Uh, that's a bombshell. He kind of uh, kills a couple of narratives with one stone. What do you think, Chris? What's your take? Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. I mean, Elon Musk is operating with the same kind of tool set that Donald Trump was on Twitter a few years ago. He has the ability to immediately change the public conversation at any moment. The, he, has, he has kind of broken the glass on this narrative, which is fantastic. You know, the prosecution of Anthony Fauci is something that must happen for society to go on. Anthony Fauci is one of the greatest criminals in world history. He has committed massive crimes against humanity and he must be prosecuted. Elon Musk actually went ahead and began talking about his own vaccine injuries uh, today. And that is breaking the glass on another narrative. You know, they are, these are things that the population of normies just do not want to talk about. These are the no-no words. These are the things that they had censored for so long. And now they're uncensorable. And they're not just, it's not just us saying it, right? You know, we have, however, you know, we have a few thousand followers here and there. There's no one right now with a massive platform who's saying the right things except for Elon Musk. The uh, the big, you know, quote unquote, conservative accounts that stayed on Twitter for the last two years, 
those people aren't truly advancing the narrative in significant ways. They're just playing along with their edgy takes just around the central narrative. They are still fully inside the censored Twitter bubble in terms of their learning and and in terms of their expression. Elon Musk is breaking that bubble apart and it is just so valuable. It is unbelievable that, like you said, there are these taboo topics and words that we could never talk about back when Twitter was run by the deep state and after Elon bought it and we were all suspect, is Elon Musk deep state? What's he really gonna do when he takes over Twitter? Uh, and we just wanted to wait and see how it played out. Well, it's playing out in real time right now. And he is not only shining a light on what Twitter did in the past, the crimes. He's admitted it, it was a crime scene. Uh, it was a criminal organization. Uh, he's exposing the child pornography, uh, the uh, pedophilia, all the policies uh, that Twitter had that allowed that to, to grow. And, and perhaps uh, uh, they participated in it in s- somewhat as well. He's exposed the trust and safety uh, head and, and team as being complicit with those crimes against children. And, uh, and now he's saying, follow the white rabbit and uh, talking about his vaccine injuries. And I mean, this is a full on information operation that he's uh, taking on. Uh, and I, I can't imagine he's doing it just all by himself, that he's just thinking to himself, oh, what could I say today to make the normies heads explode? And uh, this seems to be very well timed. I thought it was interesting how he talked about how Yoel Roth, he kept Yoel Roth on, the head of trust and safety. He, he didn't fire him. He, he kept him on. He uh, got Yoel Roth to defend him, to say nice things about him. And then, you know, everything changed. He started kind of acting like he's just learning about all this for the first time. And now he, he really thought Yo Roth was such a good guy. And now all of a sudden he's so surprised that his PhD thesis was about allowing minors on homosexual dating apps. So, you know, this is, this is just really, really well done to wake people up. Uh, any other comments about Elon Musk and his process here and his, his reach and the fact that the, the news, the mainstream media is covering everything that he's saying and doing. Well, you know, some of the mainstream media has uh, has been significantly silent on um, on what he's doing with the Twitter file drops. You know, it's definitely getting covered. It's definitely getting out there. I think that um, people who are asleep and have been asleep to all of this for the last few years are being forced to see it, but the media is still trying to keep this as quiet as possible. They kind of can't report on it because reporting on it at all is just going to make it worse. They're not able to refute or debunk any of it. So what can they do? You know, first they called him racist and fascist, and then they said it wasn't a big deal and this is all old news. And now they're just ignoring it all together. Maybe they're hoping that people will accept that this is all old news, that it's all insignificant. I don't think it's going to work. I mean, as for the white rabbit, that's hilarious. And the reaction to it has been hilarious, too. You know, there are people with substantially big accounts and, you know, sending out viral tweets about how Elon Musk is now courting QAnon and that the QAnon people out there are just lighting up the Internet with posts about adrenochrome and John Podesta and Saudi Arabia and Hillary Clinton. And I'm like, okay, commies, keep getting mad and advertising all of it. At some point, people are going to think, maybe I should look into what they're talking about here. You know, Twitter's been censoring everybody for a reason. Maybe there's something there. 
Yeah, this is genius. This is a genius way. And, and you're right. I, I'm seeing a parallel here between Donald Trump's style of saying things without saying them and getting other people to start the conversation just by giving them a little bit of a prompt. And it was literally just a, a, a rabbit, <laughs> the word follow and then a rabbit emoji. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, the commies are red pilling the normies and, and uh, Elon Musk didn't even have to make any statements or implicate himself in the matter. So this is really genius uh, information operation going on. Uh, so we got a little bit of time left. want to show a, a clip about how the FBI is warning of power attacks on our grid. And it's already happening in four different states. Let's take a look. Breaking news out of North Carolina. Officials there are confirming a death more than three days after power was knocked out to tens of thousands of people. Investigators do say the outage was intentional and criminal, and now they're trying to find a motive. And now News Nation has learned exclusively federal law enforcement had warned about attacks on the infrastructure just like this. Correspondent Evan Lambert is live in Washington now with the late breaking news. So I just find this interesting that the FBI puts out this warning. Oh, hey, everybody, watch out. We might have enemies of the United States attacking our grid. And then all of a sudden, it starts happening immediately, almost like what happened in the Nord Stream attack. You're like, oh, watch out. Someone might try to attack the Nord Stream, and then they attack it themselves. Uh, so, Chris, you know, this is part of this fifth generation warfare. Any comment on it? Yeah, I can't wait till we find out that the FBI knew the identity of the attackers in advance. I mean, it's all become so obvious at this point. It's amazing that there are people out there that can't see it. They actually think that it's a marker of the FBI's and the CIA's uh, expertise that they are able to predict these events so exactly. <laughs> oh, man. I, I mean, this stuff is hilarious to me. Yeah, you know, when you see it through the lens of a normie, uh, you just uh, hear, oh, the FBI warned, and then it happened, and you just think to yourself, wow, they're so good at predicting things. But then, hey, once people really start learning about the FBI, and they're getting red-pilled about the FBI through the Twitter files, you know, the, the FBI was in regular contact with Twitter about election integrity, and why would they be doing that? Uh, this is like a revolving door between big tech and, and government. And luckily, we had two FBI whistleblowers on the show yesterday. So the more of them we have coming out, the more people are awakening to the deep state, what the deep state really is. Thank you so much, Chris, for joining. And you've got to check out Chris's shows on Badlands Media, his Substack, in uh, all the work that he's doing, an amazing researcher and commentator. Thank you for watching AmericanMediaPeriscope.com. We are America's Patriot-only network. You can get my breaking news updates at SeanMorganReport.com. Thank you for watching. God bless all you patriots. Good night and good luck.
Where we go one, 